Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me your host Dan the Viking. Now this week I've decided to do a little bit of a a different style episode. I have found a list online that gives you a little bit of detail in regards to every king or queen in English history. Now it might sound a bit strange but I'm going back to 1066 Okay, and this is where we sort of count the British bloodline, where we count the royal family from. Because, essentially, every single monarch from 1066 is a descendant of our current king. Nearly said queen there, because it's so used to saying queen, but from the current king. Now we will start with the first king of England, and that is William I, or William the Conqueror. From 1066 to 1087, he was also known as William the Bastard. Um, And this was not because of his behaviour, this was because he was a bastard. He was born out of wedlock, and that's, uh, yeah, he was illegitimate. He was the Duke of Normandy. And he came to England from Normandy, uh, claiming that his second cousin, Edward the Confessor, who was the king at the start of 1066, who died in January 1066, promised him the throne. Um, He then defeated Harold II, or Harold Godwinson, at Hastings in 1066. He was succeeded by his son, Uh, who was William II, and he was king from 1087 to 1100. William was not a a popular king, um, and he had an extravagance of cruelty. He never married, and he was killed in the New Forest by a stray arrow whilst out hunting. So he was accidentally killed, apparently. We don't really know, but he wasn't a very popular king, so the chances of him being murdered was, uh, I would say, pretty high. And he was succeeded by Henry I. This was from 1100 to 1135. Henry was the fourth and youngest son of William I. So William II actually never had an heir, and the throne went to his younger brother. Now, he was well-educated. He founded a zoo in Oxfordshire to study animals. He was called the Lion of Justice as he gave England good laws. Um, He was very ferocious in his punishment. However, both of his sons died 
in what was known as the White Ship Incident. Uh, incidents. An incident? Not sure. Incident or incidents. Um, but basically, both his heirs died um, before he did. And this meant that his daughter was to be the next Queen of England, or would be the first Queen of England. His daughter was called Matilda. Now, she married a man named Geoffrey Plantagenet. For those of you who have worked out that surname, it's extremely famous in English history. Uh, Henry actually died of food poisoning, and the council considered a woman to be unfit to rule. And the throne was then offered to a grandson of William I, his name was Stephen. Yes, believe it or not, we had a King Stephen. Um, King Stephen ruled from 1135 to 1154, and Stephen was an awful king. He was certainly not very attractive. If you look at any pictures of him, he was cross-eyed, um, not an attractive-looking man at all. And the whole country was destroyed by constant raids from the Scots and the Welsh. Uh, during Stephen's reign, the Norman barons uh, wielded great power and they extorted money from around the country. A decade of civil war was known as the Anarchy. That started when Matilda invaded England in 1139. A compromise was then decided between the two that although Matilda couldn't take the throne, her son, Henry Plantagenet, would take the throne when Stephen died. And that is exactly what happened. We had our first Plantagenet king on, well, in 1154. This was Henry II. He took the throne 1154 to 1189. Uh, Henry of Anjou, which is where the Plantagenets were from, uh, was a strong king. He was a great king, uh, a brilliant soldier, he extended his French lands. He ruled most of France as well. So he wasn't just king of England. He ruled majority of France. He laid the foundation for the English jury system. He raised taxes from the landlords to pay for a militia force. So he started essentially his own English army. Um, Henry was most remembered for his quarrel with Thomas Becket. Now I will do an episode around Henry II because it was so controversial there was Thomas Becket was essentially murdered by Henry II's soldiers and it marred his entire reign as king no one really remembers him for anything other than the fact that he murdered the Archbishop of Canterbury a man that he put in that position and it was his best friend at one point as well so yeah the murder of Thomas Becket the Archbishop of Canterbury actually in Canterbury Cathedral as well where he was murdered um, yeah was quite a, a big a big turning point for him um, even his sons turned against him um, his favourite son was John uh, John turned completely against him and when he died the throne went to his third son Henry's third son Richard I uh, he was king from 1189 to 1199 this is a man that you will know as Richard the Lionheart the man who's king uh, during the Robin Hood films and things like that um, 
he was it's very hard history plays him very as this the lion heart he was a crusader king he was a king that went to the holy land and um i believe if i'm right he spent something around 70 to 75% of his time not actually in england um so he was the third son of henry the second by the age of 16 he was leading his own armies he was putting down rebellions in france um he was crowned king of england he spent all of six months of his reign sorry i've just read six months of his reign was spent in england so six months out of ten years um so it's well more about 90 percent of his time he spent outside of england so he was he wasn't what history or what films portray him as he was a good king um but he was he wasn't really the lion heart of britain he was just called the lion heart because he was a good soldier now he died from an arrow wound uh, far from the kingdom that he rarely rarely visited and he died with no children um, he was succeeded by John, or John the First. Well, he's not known as John the First because we haven't had a second, so it's just John, King John. Uh, that was from 1199 until 1216. Um, John was the fourth child of Henry the Second. Okay, he was short, fat, and jealous of his brother Richard. Um, and again, you see this in in the. Uh, mainly the Disney version of it, the um, the the Disney version of Robin Hood, sorry, where King John is this petty, greedy, horrible man who, uh, you know, and that is kind of how he was portrayed in history. But obviously, he didn't look after the throne while Richard was away. Richard was still king, um, and when he when Richard died, John took the king. Um, on the 15th of June 1215 uh, at Runnymede the barons compelled John to sign the Magna Carta uh, this was known as the Great Charter which uh, reinstated the rights of all his subjects so it made the Magna Carta is one of the most famous documents in history and is probably worthy of its own episode and it's right um, but basically it just showed how bad he was how he dealt with the country in such a bad way that the barons actually needed to come together and sign something to basically say you're shit you're not doing your job properly this is the new set of rules that you've got to follow um he's actually been dubbed the worst king in england the worst ever king of england so yeah not a great king was uh old king john when he died he was succeeded by Henry III. This was from 1216 to 1272. Henry was nine years old when he became king. Uh, he was brought up by priests. Uh, he became devout to the church. Um, he was a weak man dominated by his by his clergy and by his barons. Um, and he was also influenced very heavily by his wife's relations in france uh, in 1264 henry was captured during the rebellion of the barons uh, led by simon de montfort and again simon de montfort is another one that's probably worthy of his own um his own episode because he is a really cool character in history 
Um, he was forced to set up a parliament at Westminster um, where the House of Commons now sits um, and Henry was the greatest of all patrons of medieval architecture so he was the one who built things like Westminster Abbey um, he he really enjoyed that style of things um, and what we, we tend to look at Henry III as he was a pretty useless king he wasn't a great leader he wasn't a great soldier he was very easily led but the one thing he did do was he made a statement with his buildings and Westminster Abbey where every king after that was um was crowned every king and queen has been crowned at Westminster Abbey since then um the queen's funeral things like that they're all at Westminster Abbey and this was all Henry III's building so he made a point of saying, well, I might not be a good king, but you will remember me through this. So that was his, I suppose, claim to fame. He was then succeeded by Edward I, uh, and this was from 1272 to 1307, um, a man who was known as Longshanks because he had very long legs. Edward Longshanks was a statesman, lawyer, and a soldier, and he formed the Model Parliament in 1295, bringing the knights, clergy, and nobility, as well as lords and commoners together for the first time. Um, he aimed for a united Britain, um, when he defeated the Welsh chieftains and his eldest son became Prince of Wales and this is something that has happened ever since then the uh, eldest son of any monarch now becomes Prince of Wales uh, many people in this country will see Charles as Prince of Wales um, because that's what he was for 70 years of his life he's now King of England but um, to a lot of us he will still be the Prince of Wales obviously now William is the Prince of Wales. He was also known as the Hammer of the Scots. Um, his victories in Scotland uh, was extremely famous throughout England, and he was pretty impressive in that particular um, conflict between the two countries. Um, he actually died on his way to fighting Robert the Bruce, and he was um, succeeded by Edward II from 1307. Now, Edward II didn't actually die when he lost the throne, which was 1327. He was deposed in 1327. Um, Edward was another useless king of England. He was weak, incompetent. Um, he had many favourites, okay, Um he had favourite people in his parliament. One of the most famous one was a man named Piers Gaveston. Um, and the story between the two are quite impressive. Essentially, the story goes that Edward II was in love with his best friend, Piers Gaveston. And that is one of the reasons why he brought him back from exile and he listened to him over his lords and barons and things like that um and yeah he was a gay king now with there's no real um no real proof to this but that is uh that is the story um he 
is basically famous for being beaten by the Scots. So although uh, his predecessor, Edward I, beat the Scots, Edward II lost at Bannockburn in 1314. Um, And again, that's probably, you would say that's probably what he's most famous for. Definitely in Scotland, that's what he's most famous for. In England, he's most famous for his death. And although historians have now come to realize that he probably was killed by smothering or strangulation whilst he was locked up in prison, the story goes that he was taken out of his prison cell, strapped to a table, bent over, his trousers were pulled down, and he was buggered to death with a red-hot poker. Now... I'm not sure whether this is true. The story came out maybe six to eight months after his death and it was written down and things like that after his death. But I think the story of a gay king who was buggered to death by a red-hot poker is probably a story too good to miss. Um, So that's the story. Whether it's true or not, we, we don't know. But he was succeeded by his son, Edward III. Uh, This was from 1327 uh, to 1377. He actually reigned for 50 years. He was the first king to do so. Um, And he is also the king that's famous for starting the Hundred Years' War, which actually lasted 116 years. Um, He had great victories in 1338 um, in France at Crecy and Poitiers. Um, It made Edward and his son, the Black Prince, the most renowned warriors in Europe. Um, However, war was very expensive, and unfortunately for King Edward III, he was king during the outbreak of the Plague, or the Black Death, from 1348 to 1350, which killed half the population of England. So, on the one hand, he was a great king, he was successful, and on the other hand, uh, he didn't really have much that he could do about it because half of his population died. He was then succeeded by his son, the Black Prince, uh, Richard II, in 1377. Richard di- uh, Richard was again deposed in 1399. So deposed essentially is removed from the throne, Okay, just in case anyone hasn't really caught on it doesn't mean that they've died at that particular point um richard was extravagant unjust and faithless uh in 1381 came the peasants revolt he believed the richard ii believed that he was king by god's right okay now again this is what they're taught um and the royals are told they are king by the grace of god you know that's uh one of the most famous lines and he was a young king and he really really believed this he believed that he no one was going to hurt him he was the be all and end all of england and everybody loved him it just wasn't the case um the sudden death of his first wife um anne of bohemia unbalanced richard and his extravagance um his acts of revenge and tyranny against his subjects turned everyone against him and in 1399 henry of lancaster returned from exile and deposed richard um, becoming 
the king Henry IV. So now we'll move on to the House of Lancaster. This was Henry IV from 1399 to 1413. Now, he was the son of John of Gaunt, the third son of Henry the Hen sorry, the third son of Edward III. Very, very confusing. But Edward III was obviously uh, Richard was basically his brother. Okay, so this happens quite a lot in British history. Um, that brother kills brother or uncle kills nephew and son kills you know, it's just that's how it works but essentially every single one from Richard uh, from William the Conqueror down is connected through blood um Henry returned from exile in France to reclaim his estates that were previously seized by his brother Richard um he was accepted as king by parliament and Henry spent most of his 13 year reign defending himself against plots and assassination attempts okay so he he was sort of backed into a corner as king. He was under the scrutiny all the time. Um, Henry had great difficulty in maintaining the support of both the clergy and parliament. Um, and there was loads of rebellions against him. He was the first Lancastrian king. And he actually died of exhaustion at the age of 45. And to be honest, if you can imagine at every point in your life you're putting down someone who's trying to kill you I think he probably would die at 45 of exhaustion he was succeeded by his son Henry V now Henry V goes down as probably the greatest king in English history um, or at least one of them and this is the reason he was the son of Henry IV he was pious, stern he was a skillful soldier He'd honed his fine soldiering skills and put down many rebellions launched against his father. He was knighted at age 12. Uh, he pleased his nobles by renewing the war in France in 1415. Um, against tremendous odds, he won the Battle of Agincourt, which we have done an episode on. So if you want to go back and find that one. Um, he lost 400 of his own soldiers at Agincourt and killed more than 6,000 Frenchmen. He was also one of the first kings to reinstate the English language. Henry actually did another expedition to France where he captured the city of Rouen. He was recognised as the next king of France. Okay, so he was in line for succession of king of France because of what he'd done on the battlefield. He married Catherine, the daughter of the French king. Um, he was... Basically, he was just just a quality king. Um, he actually died of dysentery while campaigning in France, and before he could succeed to the French throne, um, leaving his ten-month-old son as king of England and king of France. So, Henry the Sixth. Okay, sounds good. King of England, king of France, first ever king of both the whole countries as well. You know. Henry the first had he was partly part both but didn't have all of France Henry the sixth first king of both he's 10 months old <laughs> it's not really great um he was king from 1422 until he was deposed in 1461 he was gentle he was a nice king he became came to the throne as a baby uh, he inherited a losing war with the French 
The Hundred Years' War finally ended in 1453 with the loss of all of the French lands except for Calais. So he was king at the time he took over France and then he's the first king to lose France as well. The king had attack of mental illness uh, which was hereditary from his mother's side and in 1454 Richard Duke of York was named protector of the realm um, the house of York challenged Henry VI's right to the throne and plunged England into another civil war this happened at the Battle of St. Albans in 1455. This is goes back to the War of the Roses. So if you guys have listened to the first two episodes of that, um, this was centred around Henry VI. The War of the Roses, there are two further parts to that, but they are over on Patreon. Um, Henry was restored to the throne um, in 1470, which he'd lost previously. Henry Henry's son Edward the Prince of Wales was killed at the Battle of Tewkesbury one day before Henry was murdered in the Tower of London in 1471. Now, Henry wasn't completely useless. He founded Eton College, King's College, Cambridge College, and every year the provosts of Eton and King's College lay uh, roses and lilies at the altar which stands where he died. So he's still remembered now. In comes the House of York. They've won the battle of uh, this battle, and Edward the Sixth takes. Sorry, too many numbers. Edward the Fourth takes charge as king. He was the son of Richard, Duke of York, and he was king from 1461 to 1483. Again, not a popular king. His morals were poor. He had many mistresses and at least one illegitimate son. He was not very good. Uh, he had to, to put down his rebellious brother, uh, George, Duke of Clarence, who was murdered in 1478 on charge of treason. During his first reign, uh, sorry, during his reign, the first printing press was established in Westminster. So he did do something good, um, but he died in 18 sorry 1483 leaving two sons aged 12 and aged 9 now what happened to those children you ask now if you are interested in what happened to those children you will need to listen to the other two episodes on patreon for the war of the roses because that's where we talk about that edward the fifth was his eldest son and he was king from 1483 to 1483. Uh, he was actually born in Westminster Abbey, where his mother Elizabeth Woodville sought sanctuary from the Lancastrians during the Wars of the Roses. He was the eldest son and succeeded to the throne at the age of 13. He reigned for only two months. He is the shortest, well, he's the shortest living king monarch in English history, I can't word that right. Shortest king in English history, shortest reign of a king in English history. Um, he was locked up in the Tower of London, and it is believed, well, it was believed at the time, but it's now been confirmed years later that him and his younger brother were murdered in the Tower by their uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester. 
Richard III, the Duke of Gloucester, became king in 1483, and he was killed at the Battle of Bosworth Fields in 1485. He was not king for very long, and essentially he spent his two years as king pretty much fighting in the Wars of the Roses and dealing with the rumours that he'd killed his, he'd killed the previous king. He was uh, killed at Bosworth Fields by Henry VII. Now, Henry VII was the man who founded the most famous dynasty in English history. Henry VII was king from 1485 to 1509. He's more commonly known as Henry Tudor. When Richard fell in battle, the crown was picked up and placed on the head of Henry Tudor on the battlefield. He actually married Elizabeth of York, so his enemy's daughter, um, and united the two warring houses of York and Lancaster. He was a skillful politician, but he needed to be. The increased material wealth of the country um, meant that he had to be good at dealing with things like money, taxes, and things like that. And by uniting the two houses, he managed to put down the rebellions. During Henry's reign, uh, playing cards were actually invented and the portrait of his wife Elizabeth has appeared eight times on every pack of cards for nearly 500 years that'd be the Queen of Hearts so if anyone uh, is is interested that outline of the Queen on uh, a deck of cards that is Elizabeth of York he died in 1509 and he was succeeded by his youngest son not his eldest, his eldest son had died slightly before and he was succeeded by the most famous and most recognisable king in English history Henry VIII Henry VIII was king from 1509 to 1547 and he is most known for having six wives Uh, they were Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves Catherine Howard and Catherine Parr and they were in that order um, his divorce to his first wife Catherine of Aragon set up his feud with the Pope and set England on its way to a Protestant nation now the funny thing with Henry VIII is he is very very famous but he didn't really do anything you know, and this sounds really stupid apart from setting up the Church of England and um, the dissolution of the monasteries, um, the money that he gained to create a navy, he wasn't a warrior king. He wasn't um, famous for putting down rebellions or starting wars. He was essentially just a normal king. And I think the fact that he had six wives is pretty much why he's remembered so much in history there's not really much more to the man um i know there will i'll get absolutely hammered now by historians who will know things that i don't know but realistically when you compare him to someone like henry v um he's he's not really on the same level he's just famous because he changed the church um because he didn't like the fact that he was married to someone who couldn't give him a son that was pretty essentially he divorced someone because he wanted to shag the younger bird that was that was pretty much the gist of it and 
that's what he's famous for. But nonetheless, he had three children, and they were um, Edward, Mary, and Elizabeth. And they would become kings and queens in their own right. Henry actually died from a wound sustained in a joust that he'd had a few years earlier. Um, he loved the pageantry of, of royal court. Um, he was a keen jouster and he actually got a wound in his leg whilst jousting and it went septic and one day he died of sepsis a few years after. He was also extremely overweight, couldn't really move and was kind of a fat slob towards the end of his life. He was succeeded by his son Edward the sixth and he was succeeded in 1547 and edward was king until 1553 he was only king for six years um edward succeeded his father at the age of nine okay so again he was controlled by a council of regency um this basically means the king was not in charge it was the dukes and the people around him that had more control than what he did edward wanted to the country to stay protestant he was a protestant king his father was a protestant king and he knew that the next line of succession was going to be his older sister mary and mary was a devout catholic now he put a plan in motion to get a woman named lady jane gray to be put in line for the throne in front of his sister Mary Jane, Lady Jane Grey sorry, was a Protestant she was a young woman she was um, not expecting the crown she didn't want the crown she was his cousin she believed she had no right to it um, unfortunately when, uh, when the king died uh, he died of a young age the successor that he named was this poor young woman lady jane gray she was taken to london and declared queen of england she was murdered by mary I and executed at the age of 17 she only reigned for nine days uh, she's known as the nine day queen she never actually received the crown she wasn't there long enough to get the crown put on her head um, but what is interesting about her is she had no desire for it. Um, she is actually, again, she's another one that is worth a story on her own because there is so much to say about her and such a, a young woman who was, for example, at her execution, one of the most famous things is she put the blindfold on and she couldn't find the block to put her head on. So she's sort of leaning forwards trying to find the block and it actually she panicked that she couldn't find the block to put her head on and someone from the crowd actually had to come onto the scaffold to help her down um she, there's so much about her for for a woman who was queen for nine days um there is a lot to to do so it might be worth doing an episode on her again on her own mary the first bloody mary she was known from 1553 to 1558 so she got the nickname Bloody Mary. She was only queen for five years. Um, daughter of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, a devout Catholic, she married Philip of Spain. Um, Mary attempted to enforce the wholesale conversion of England back to Catholicism. Um, the 
she basically went on a rampage the protestant bishops um archbishops anyone who was caught at a protestant church they were murdered they were killed um in a place in broad street in oxford is marked by a bronze cross for archbishop cranmer who was burnt at the stake there and the country was plunged into a bitter bloodbath um and she is known as bloody mary basically because she killed anyone who got in her way um she was devout catholic and she had no time for protestants but you've got to remember at this point you're talking 1553 britain had been protestant for almost 40 years okay so you're talking people who have been born into protestant they're brought up knowing only that and then being told that what they're learning is wrong it's very hard to to change something like that anyway she died in 1558 at lambeth palace and she was succeeded by her younger sister um possibly one of the greatest queens in english history queen elizabeth the first she was queen from 1558 to 1603 she was a daughter of anne boleyn and henry the eighth and elizabeth was a remarkable woman she was noted for her learning and wisdom uh, she was from first to last she was popular with every single person in the country she she was anti-catholic but she didn't pursue the catholics in the same way that her sister had pursued the protestants she had very very famous advisors um sir francis drake sir walter raleigh um just to name a few she was the most feared and respected queen england had ever had i mean obviously we'd only had two at that point but she was respected i would say as much as her father probably was she defeated the spanish armada in 1588 she founded the first uh, colony which was uh, the virginian colony was founded under her she was famous for um, the execution of her cousin mary queen of scots shakespeare was around during her time um, she was extremely extremely popular and she did a lot for britain or for england at this time i keep falling back into that britain england thing um every king at this point king or queen up until um elizabeth the first it was just england not scotland so britain was not not part of it however when elizabeth died she didn't leave an heir which meant that her cousin mary queen of scots who she'd murdered a few month, a few years before her son was king of scotland he was james the sixth of scotland and he was to become james the first of england he actually became james the first of england and scotland and this was from 1603 to 1625 and this was the first time that we had a scottish king and it's safe to say that ever since then we have had scottish blood scottish royalty in our royal family prior to that it never happened james was the son of mary queen of scots and lord darnley he was the first king to rule over both scotland and england and he was a scholar uh, not a man of action uh, in 1605 the gunpowder plot was hatched by guy fawkes and his catholic friends who tried to blow up the houses of parliament 
and James's reign saw publication of the first ever version, the British version of the Bible. Now, for those of you who are interested, the gunpowder plot is another episode, uh, and that is on there as well. So, if you want to go back and listen to that. He did have some problems with what were called the Puritans uh, during his reign and tried a few times to kick them out, didn't work, and ended up sending them on their way to America. Again, ladies and gentlemen, go back. We have had an episode very recently on the Pilgrim Fathers. That happened under James I. He died and his son took the throne in 1625 and that was Charles I. That was from 1625 to 1649. Now, he was the son of James I and Anne of Denmark, and Charles believed that he ruled by divine right. Um, He encountered difficulties with Parliament from the beginning, and this led to the outbreak of the English Civil War in 1642. This war lasted for four years, and following the defeatist of Charles's royalist forces by Oliver Cromwell, Charles was captured and imprisoned. The House of Commons tried Charles for treason and he was found guilty and condemned to death. This was the first king ever in English history to be treason against his own country and was sentenced to death. And he is the first king and only king in English history who has been killed for... um, basically for being king essentially he tried to put down a rebellion it failed he lost and he was executed for the pleasure now britain then spent a few years without a king we went from 1653 or sorry uh sorry 1649 i do apologize um all the way up to 1660 this was without a king this was under the lord protector oliver cromwell and then his son richard cromwell not going to go into any details about them because as far as i'm concerned they're not monarchs it's not interesting it's not relevant to this story the english crown was restored in 1660 by the son of charles i charles ii he was king from 1660 to 1685 He was also known as the Merry Monarch. That was because he liked to drink. Uh, After the collapse of Oliver Cromwell, the army and parliament asked Charles to take the throne. He was very popular, um, but he was a weak king and his foreign policies were not very good. Um, He was known to have 13 mistresses. Um, Yeah, quite a lot. He fathered many illegitimate children. No one really knows... Uh, how many he fathered but unfortunately for him they were left no heir because yeah yeah they were illegitimate um he was also king during the great plague which was 1665 and king during the great fire of london which was 1666 again ladies and gentlemen go back through the episodes we've got the great plague on there we've got the great fire of london we've also got oliver cromwell as well so there's some quality episodes um there During his reign, though, he built many new buildings. Um, St. Paul's Cathedral was built by Sir Christopher Wren, um, and there was lots of churches that were built in and around London as well. These were all done after the Great Fire, so uh, in the sort of 19 years after that. James II 
and James the Seventh of Scotland was the next king from 1685 to 1688. The second surviving son of Charles I and younger brother of Charles II, James had been exiled following the Civil War and served in both the French and Spanish army. Um, although James converted to Catholicism in 1670, his two daughters were raised Protestants and James became very unpopular because of his persecution of the Protestant clergy and was generally hated by pretty much everyone. Um, he was part of the Mon... Well, he was king during the Monmouth Uprising, um, who was an illegitimate son of Charles II, um, which he, he then did put it down, um, and he pretty much wasn't very good when he died there was no one left to take the throne so the parliament asked the dutch prince from holland or from the netherlands william of orange to take the throne Uh, william was married to mary james ii's protestant daughter and william landed in england and james fled to france where he died in exile in 1701 now, William III was king from 1689 to 1702, and Mary was his queen from 1689 to 1694. Now, it's weird because William is classed as William III and Mary is classed as Mary II, and they were both king and queen at the same time. Don't worry about it. It's just how it is. Um, On the 5th of November, 1688, William of Orange sailed his fleet of over 450 ships, unopposed by the Royal Navy, into Torbay Harbour and landed his troops in Devon. Gathering local support, he marched his army, now 20,000 strong, onto London. The Glorious Revolution, it was called. Many of James II's army had defected to support William, as well as James's other daughter, Anne. William and Mary were to reign jointly, and William was to have the crown for life after Mary died. Um, James plotted to regain the throne in 1689, um, landed in Ireland, and William defeated him at the Battle of the Boyne, and James fled to France again um, as a guest of Louis the Fourteenth. Anne was the second daughter of James, and she became queen from 1702 to 1714. Uh, she had 17 pregnancies during her reign, but only one child, and that was William. And he died of smallpox at age 11. Um, She was a staunch Protestant and Anne was 37 years old when she succeeded to the throne. Uh, Anne was a close friend of Sarah Churchill, the Duchess of Marlborough, and Sarah's husband, the Duke of Marlborough, commanded the English army in the War of Spanish Succession, uh, winning a series of major battles with the French and gaining the country and influence never before attained in Europe. It was during Anne's reign that the United Kingdom of Great Britain was created by the Union of England and Scotland. After Anne's death, the succession went to the nearest Protestant relative of the Stuart line, and this was Sophia, daughter of Elizabeth of Bohemia, James I's only daughter, but she died a few weeks before Anne, so the throne passed to her son. This is where it gets a little bit complicated. 
if you're still with us, that is. This was George I. He was not English. He was German. He didn't speak English. And this is where we get a lot of people now go, oh, your queen or your king, are Eng- they're not even English, they're German. Correct, they have German descent. But this descent started in 1714. By now, I don't think they're classed as German. They've been here for 300 years plus. I don't think it, it counts the same. But there is a German line of succession there. Uh, George I from 1714 to 1727, son of Sophia and the Elector of Hanover. He's the great grandson of King James I, and the fifty-year-old, fifty-four-year-old uh, George arrived in England and was only able to speak very few words of English. Uh, he had eighteen cooks and two mistresses when he arrived, and George never ever learned English. Didn't bother. Um, so it was a conduct of national policy was left to the government. The government was in charge, not him. Um, and it was Sir Robert Walpole who became Britain's first Prime Minister. And in 1715, the Jacobites attempted to supplant George, but attempt, the attempt failed. George spent little time in England as he preferred his homeland of Hanover. Um, although he was implicated in the South Sea Bubble financial scandal in 1720. Again, that is something that I could probably do an episode off. He had a son, George II, and this was from 1727 until 1760. He was the only son of George I, and he was more English than his father, but still relied on Sir Robert Walpole to run the country. George was the last English king to lead his army into battle um, at Dettingen, Dettingen? Dettingen, not sure if I've pronounced that right, um, in 1743. In 1745, the Jacobites tried once again to restore a Stuart to the throne, uh, Prince Charles Edward Stuart, or Bonnie Prince Charlie, as he was called in Scotland, um, but he was defeated um, by the Duke of Cumberland, or better known as the Butcher of Cumberland. Uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie escaped to France and died there um king george had a grandson um who was george the third again a bit of a pattern here george 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 and george third was king from 1760 to 1820 and he was the first english-born and english-speaking monarch since queen anne so we'd literally gone now sort of 60 years 50 years without a king that can speak a word of English. Yeah, not not very good times in, in England. His reign was one of elegance, uh, at the age of some of the greatest English literature ever known, uh, Jane Austen, Byron, Shelley, Keats and Wordsworth, just to name a few. It was also a time of great statesmen like William Pitt, Fox, and great military men like Wellington and Nelson. Um, in 1773, the Boston Tea Party were the first signs of any trouble under King George III. The American colonies proclaimed their independence on the 4th of July 1776, but they didn't actually gain it until the end of the war. Um, and George was known as the first king of Australia, the last king of America. 
he was a good king. He suffered from mental illness at the end, um, and he was known as the Mad King, which I think is really unfair. He goes down in history as the Mad King. Um, he spent 60 years on the throne. He did a lot during his time. Um, he beat the French. He beat the Indian rebellions. Uh, he founded colonies uh, in Australia, New Zealand, uh, South Africa. He was a good king. Um, he held the War of 1812 in in Canada, um, defeated the Americans in in eighteen twelve. He um, he didn't do very well with the the battle at the War of Independence, but again, it's it's all relative. As as king, he was a very very good king, and he went down in history as the Mad King because of his bouts of madness that he had every now and again. He died in eighteen twenty, and he was succeeded by. Can you guess the name of the next king? Yep, it was another one, George IV. Uh, he was king for 10 years, 1820 to 1830. He was known as the first gentleman of Europe. He had a love of art and architecture. He was very private. Um, his his private life was a bit of a mess, though. Uh, he was married twice, uh, once in 1785, um, who to a woman named uh, Mrs. Fitzherbert. She was actually a Catholic. He then married 10 years later uh, to Caroline of Brunswick, um, but he still really loved his first wife. Um, Caroline and George had one daughter, uh, which was Charlotte, in 1796, but she died in 1817. George was considered a great wit, um, but was also a bit of a buffoon. Um, he was he was almost celebrated when he died he wasn't he wasn't a great king wasn't really didn't really do anything worth anything really he was succeeded by not george uh, he was succeeded by william the 4th um william the 4th is kind of the king that everyone forgets um and that's mainly because you're coming out of the you go from the Georgian era which is what is known as the four Georges that it's known as the Georgian era um, and then everyone talks about the Victorian era so you go Georgian Victoria and everyone forgets the king in between and that was William the fourth um, this was from 1830 to 1837 so he had a, a fairly decent reign seven years um, he was known as the sailor king and that's not because of his sexual orientation he just liked sailing um, he was the third son of george iii before his uh, accession he lived with a mrs jordan an actress by whom he had 10 children when Princess Charlotte died, he had to marry in order to secure a succession, and he married Adelaide of Saxe Coburg in eighteen eighteen. He had two daughters, but they did not live. Um, he hated pomp and wanted to dispense with the coronation, and the people loved him because of his lack of basically being a posh twat. Um, during his reign. Britain abolished slavery in the colonies. The Reform Act was passed in 1832 and it extended the franchise to the middle classes on the basis of property qualifications. So, yeah, we don't talk about him. He's not really known. He's the forgotten king. But he stopped slavery. You know, he he was the one that sent the British military 
over to Africa to enforce the other countries to stop it. It's one thing that's always forgotten in history is that Britain was the first country to abolish slavery. Uh, Slavery still exists nowadays. It still exists. There are still countries right now that have people that are working as slave labor all over the world. Britain is persecuted for it. Britain was the first country to stop it. And Britain spent millions and millions and millions of their own pounds in trying to enforce the uh, the the rest of the world to follow in their lead and to stop it. Doesn't excuse what was done. No way does it excuse what was done. But it is forgotten in history, and that happened under William the Fourth. Now we'll move on to probably one of the most famous queens in all of history. Queen Victoria from 1837 to 1901. Victoria was the only child of Princess Victoria of Saxe Coburg and Edward Duke of Kent. Edward Duke of Kent was the fourth son of George III, and the throne Victoria inherited was weak and unpopular. Her Hanoverian uncles had been treated with irreverence, and in 1840 she married her cousin, Albert of Saxe Coburg. Albert exerted tremendous influence over the Queen until his death. Um, After his death, she wore black every single day. She was never seen in public out of black. So if you look at pictures of Queen Victoria, um, nine times out of ten, she's wearing black. She uh, mourned that man forever, basically. Um, He was a pillar of respectability, um, and he left two legacies in the UK. One of them being the Christmas tree uh, and the Great Exhibition of 1851. Uh, With the money from the exhibition, several institutions were developed. The Victoria and Albert Museum in London, the Science Museum, the Imperial College and the Royal Albert Hall. Um, The Queen withdrew from public life after the death of her Albert in 1861 and her Golden Jubilee in 1887 saw the British Empire double in size. In 1876, the Queen became the Empress of India, and the jewel in the crown was what it was called. India was probably the the best part of the British Empire at that point. Um, when Victoria died in 1901, the British Empire and British world power had reached their highest point. She had nine children, 40 grandchildren, and 37 great-grandchildren scattered all over Europe. Her son, Edward VII, took control of the country in 1901. He was king till 1910. Edward was a much-loved king, the opposite of his father. He loved horse racing, gambling, and women. Um, This Edwardian age was one of elegance. Edward had all the social graces and many support, many sporting interests, yachting and horse racing. Um, he had a horse called Minro um, that won the Derby in 1909, and he married the beautiful Alexandra of Denmark in 1863. They had six children. Uh, the eldest was Edward, the Duke of Clarence, um, who died in 1910. And it was said that Queen Alexandra brought his current mistress, um, Mrs. Capel, to his bedside uh, to take farewell. 
uh, his best known mistress was um, someone called Lily Langtree or the Jersey Lily. Um, the name was actually changed after that. Okay, so they weren't called the House of Saxa, Coburg, and Gotha after that. They changed their name in 1917 uh, under George V to the House of Windsor. Now, can anyone guess why they changed their name from Saxa, Coburg, Gotha to Windsor uh, in 1917? And I'm sure you probably have realized, yes, it was during the First World War. So Britain's main enemy was Germany, and having a king with a German name was probably not a good idea. George V took control in 1910. He was king for 26 years until 1936. George had not expected to be king, but when his elder brother died, he became the heir apparent. Um, He had joined the Navy as a cadet in 1877, and he loved the sea. He was a bluff, hearty man with a quarter-deck manner. Uh, In 1893, he married Princess Mary of Tech and his dead brother's fiancée. So, yeah, she was... uh, This happens a lot, though, um, when you look at kings and queens in history, that, um, you know, they were supposed to marry someone and then they die, so they marry the brother instead. And Catherine of Aragon's another example. She actually married... Uh, Henry VIII's brother Um, and then when he died she then married Henry VIII it's just really weird that they do that but um, his first years on the throne were difficult he was king during the first world war from 1914 to 1918 Uh, he dealt with the troubles in Ireland uh, which led to the creation of the Irish Free State Um, let's be honest Ireland has been a problem for England for a long long time mainly because of the way we treated them is probably not very good. In 1932, he began the royal broadcasts on Christmas Day, something that the Queen did throughout her life and every royal monarch has done since George V. Now, King Charles III did his first one last year. In 1935, he celebrated his Silver Jubilee, and his latter years were overshadowed by his concern about the Prince of Wales and his influctuation with a woman named Mrs. Simpson. Now we're going to move on to Edward VIII, a man who was king for less than a year. He was crowned in June, or he was named king in June 1936 and he abdicated the throne in December 1936. Edward was the most popular Prince of Wales Britain had ever had. Consequently, he renounced the throne when he was he wanted to marry a woman named Mrs. Wallace Simpson. The country found it impossible to believe. Mrs. Simpson um, was an American divorcee and she had two living husbands. So had she have been a widow or had she have divorced but her husbands had died, it would have been okay. At this time, the British monarchy would not allow him, as king, to marry a woman who had two ex-husbands that were still alive. So he was told, your crown or your woman, and he chose his woman. He gave up the crown. He said, I don't want to be... If I can be king, I need her to be my queen. And if she can't be my queen, I don't want to be king. Um, It was unacceptable to the church. And 
Edward stated that he wanted her to be crowned with him or not at all. Um, he abdicated in December and unfortunately this left a man become king in 1936 called George VI. Now this man did not want to be king. He had no desire for it. He was not in line unless there was a death unless edward died without producing an heir george was never going to be king if george was never king queen elizabeth would never have been queen but george george the sixth he was shy nervous he had a very very bad stutter if anyone's seen the film the king's speech that is about george the sixth he was not he, he just wasn't ready for the the job um he was very popular and he was well loved by the british people um but his prestige was to to be not in the limelight uh he he didn't really want the throne his wife elizabeth and his um mother queen mary they were the ones that they were like the pillars of the royal family at that point they sort of pushed him through a time that he didn't really believe he could do um the second world war started in 1939 and throughout that the king and queen set an example of courage and fortitude they remained at buckingham palace during the war they could have fled they could have gone to windsor they could have gone to balmoral they could have gone to sandringham none of these places were bombed during the war but they stayed in buckingham palace and if you've read or listened to the eagle day episode you will know that during the the battle of britain there were bombs that actually landed in buckingham palace so they were very close to being um wiped from the face but he stayed with his people um he kept in touch with winston churchill throughout the whole war um and he was instrumental in the d-day landings and normandy the post-war years of his reign were one of the greatest social changes that had ever been seen during the country's history. The introduction of the NHS and the whole country uh, flocked to the Festival of Britain, which was held in London in 1951, um, 100 years after the Great Exhibition during Queen Victoria's reign. The following year, he passed away and the throne went to his daughter, queen elizabeth the second she was queen for 70 years from 1952 until 2022 and elizabeth alexandra mary or lilibet to her close family was born in london 1926 and i don't really think there's much i can say about her that i haven't said before the woman was a rock for this country what she did for this country was unbelievable um her majesty died at balmoral on the 8th of september 2022 at the age of 96 uh, she was the longest reigning monarch in the history of the united kingdom and she celebrated her platinum jubilee in june 2002 she has touched every single person in this country at some point whether they love her or hate her everybody respected her um she was the i cannot i can honestly say that and i hate saying that it's the french that came out with the best thing but the best line that was said about the queen was from 
Macron, the president of France, and what he said, it was perfect. He said, to you, to the English people, she was your queen. To the rest of the world, she was the queen. And that is exactly how she was. She was just a pillar of Britain. Um, In 2002, King Charles III um, succeeded to the throne at the age of 73. He is the oldest king that we have had to take the throne. Um, And he has got two heir apparents, um, which is obviously uh, William. And William has got a line of succession after him with George. So he was... Well, he is the king at the moment. How long Charles will last? He's 73 years old. He has actually not been crowned yet. He's to be crowned this year. Um, although, it says how much he loves the British people. He's asked it to be done on a weekend, which means we don't get a day off. Because if he was getting crowned on a Monday, we'd get a bank holiday. <laughs> we'd get a day off. But no, no, no. King Charles wants to be crowned at the weekend. So nobody loses a day's work. It's nice of him, isn't it? Oh, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's that. But that is the history there of the British monarchy. I've wanted to do this for ages um, because it's just different. You know, and and I do get a lot of questions. A lot of people are really interested in certain kings and certain queens throughout British history, certain people in British history, people like Thomas Beckett and uh, Montford and things like that, Lady Jane Grey. People people probably don't know a huge amount about these guys. Um, but, you know, if there is anything you've listened to there and you think, oh, do you know what? I'd really love to know a little bit more about that king or a little bit more about that person that he's mentioned, um, drop me a message because... I'm compiling a list of things that haven't been done, um, things that I do want to do. Um, I'm saving certain things for when I actually have absolutely no idea, because some days I do sit here and go, I haven't got a clue what to record this week. Um, And there will come a day where I'll do something like the Battle of Waterloo, which is one of the most famous battles in English history. But I'm saving that for a day when I literally haven't got a clue of what I want to do. Um, because the Battle of Waterloo is quite an easy one for me because I know it quite well. So I'd rather do that when I've got no other choice. But this episode, I thought, I have had a few questions um, in regards to the British monarchy and how it works and how the British monarchy has been over the last few centuries. Um, so that's pretty much a basic overview it's taken what an hour and 10 minutes but it is a basic overview of the british monarchy how it works and like i said every single one of those has a link to william the first in 1066 so and if you want to go even further you can go back to edward the confessor which was nine well it was till 1066 980 something like that um and he was he was the cousin of William the First. So again, you can go back even further. But William the First is is known as sort of like the the start of the English kings, um, even though he was French. And for three hundred years, we spoke nothing but French. Um, but yeah, so let me know what you thought of the episodes. Uh, I think it was something a little bit different uh, for those of you on Patreon. Obviously, you're getting this a. Uh, uh, probably a week and a bit early um 
So that's how it's gonna gonna be now. I'm gonna try and get more episodes out onto Patreon. So you're gonna actually get these episodes a week sometimes two weeks depending on how many i record in once but basically as soon as they're uploaded as soon as they're finished they're going straight onto patreon whereas they'll go out onto the regular feed on a weekly basis so i'll drip them through on a weekly basis um so there you go there's your incentive guys if you can't wait for the next episode you need to get yourselves over to patreon just so you can actually get listening to these episodes but thank you very much guys thank you for listening um like i said if you have got any requests for any shows anything you've heard there that you think do you know what i'd love to know a little bit more about that drop me a message you can do it on facebook say it every week um this week in history on facebook get over there or you can email me twihpod at gmail.com and we'll see you there thanks for listening Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.